today I get to talk with Richard. It was a really fun talk that we had. We, uh, we learned a lot. Well, I should say I learned a lot about the whole adoption process in the United States, which was something that I honestly really wasn't expecting to learn about. But it was really cool because I've never really dealt with adoption or I've had to have been educated on it. So that was really fascinating. It was really fascinating. We also talked a little bit about travels. Uh, Richard's travels throughout Europe and some of the United States. Uh, and we also talk a lot about communication. Uh, if you don't know already, well, I mean, of course, finish listening to this first, but you can go to Richard's website in the show notes and you can see that he did a TED Talk. And that's kind of the whole thing that I'm like super fanboy boy I guess is how you say it, about. You know, he did a TED Talk. That's so neat. You'll, you'll hear my little spiel at the end about, about the whole TED Talk thing. But yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Richard. Hello. Hello. Hi there. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. It uh, it's always funny. I don't know. You're based on the West Coast somewhere, but here I'm here in Iowa, and uh, we always seem to go from super hot summer to winter in like a week. And we got snow overnight, and I'm just been cold all day. <laughs> oh shoot! I, I'm in Seattle, so I kind of have that, but without the snow. It was yeah. it, it was so weird because like. Usually what happens is it hits about, you know, maybe mid-September or like beginning of October and then it just rains, right? It's yeah. been nothing but sunny and partially cloudy the last few weeks. And then all of a sudden the temperature dropped overnight, like 20 or 30 degrees, and it's been way too cold. Right. It's been stupid cold. Like my wife and I will wake up in the morning, even though we have, you know, like a big old giant comforter and everything. And then it's just like, wait, why are my feet so cold? Like I'm in bed. The bed should be warm, but I'm freezing. The house is cold. It's awful. I can't stand yeah. it. Yeah. So um, how was your week? Your weekend, excuse me. Uh, weekend was good. It, like I said, it's been, it got cold too fast. And um, so we have a almost a two-year-old. And so like we were supposed to have a play date outside, but we canceled that because it was like 40 degrees and windy. Um, so that was not going to work out. Um, other than that, like we, I didn't do much, which was kind of nice. Um, I feel like even with COVID, like, I feel like it's been a busy fall. So mm-hmm. weekend at home was kind of nice. Nice. How is, so, uh, well, of course, talk about all, you know, everything you do later, because I'm really excited to learn that, but how has COVID affected your, your job? So I work, um, during the day I work at a credit union on their marketing team and, uh, it's very, so I just started the job three or four weeks before we shut down here, here in Iowa, which is like mid March. So I started in late February. And so it was a super weird time to start a new job in an industry that I've never worked in. Um, so what what was really cool though, and what I appreciate and one of the reasons why I came here, our, our CEO came from the marketing side of the business. Um, and so he was very clear to our team really as, as it was all kind of happening. He was like, if you see opportunity to spend money, do it. Like this is an opportunity for us as a credit union to provide services and be there for our members. And so like we, we did and and we grew a lot, which I know it's like probably on one hand, not a great thing to have happened during 
yeah. this period, but at the same time, like we did, we, we provided services, like we're not stock, like as a credit union, we're not an investment bank. We can't make investments. It's all loans and things like that. So it was really, it was interesting. And I, you, you kind of learned a lot faster almost because of it. Yeah. That's kind of a weird time though. February, like, like what, what made you start looking for a job in February? Was it because of COVID and you're like, Oh, you know, something might happen and I might not be able to travel and stuff or, or was it just kind of, I need to find a job. It was just timing. Um, I had accepted the job, um, mid January, mid to late January, I feel like. So like it was, it was nothing to do with COVID. Um, and I took some time off between gigs to just relax and do some house stuff. Um, so it was just timing. Gotcha. With with the the uh, birth of your child. Well, let me let me take that back. You didn't adopt, right? We did. Oh, you we did, did adopt. Her. Okay, yes. okay. My my bad. Um. So with the adoption of your child, how was your life kind of transformed from you know your job to you know having a kid? You know, so I I I love to work. Um, it's just in my DNA that I I like to work hard, and that means I work a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I have, I feel like I have a good, healthy life balance. Um, but what I will say is I'm very adamant now, uh, more than I ever was that, um, come, come five o'clock from five to seven, I'm home. Like you, like, so I was having drinks with my CEO last week. Um, and I was like, I was adamant. I, we have a hard stop time. I, I, that time is me and my you know daughter time. So, um, I think I'm, I'm more cognizant of my time than I probably was before, um, and that's not to say that like, if there's a work event that I'll bail on the work event, like got to put food on the table, but, yeah. um, it, it's just, it really, it really rebalanced kind of the, the time and, and what I choose to care about on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny you say that. Cause I was actually talking with, um, a, a guy last night who, uh, him and his girlfriend got pregnant while they were in high school. And they, uh, instead of having just one kid, they had twins. And he said that uh, <laughs> just going from, you know, trying to be in high school and stuff and then having twins and then going into the workforce and everything, he kind of had the same uh, mindset as you. Like he wants to be with a kid and everything, you know, uh, really owned up to it, which I was very surprised about um, simply because of the fact, you know, a lot of teenage, you know, parents, they abandon the kids or, you know, they don't give the kids full attention. Sure. Um, but kind of has the same mentality as you, like, I need to work to put food on the table, but like, I'm going to take care of this kid, which is really yep. cool to hear. Uh, so I, I, I kind of say that to say, like, it, it's nice to hear, you know, we have more people to kind of take the initiative to, to raise these kids, you know, especially with you, you know, being a, uh, uh, a parent, you know, through adoption. That's, that's another something that I feel like is kind of overlooked in terms of people will adopt, but then they don't take care of it. You know, yeah. they just, they yeah. just want the kid. They, they yep. don't care. They don't understand the work and stuff that they, that has to be put into it. They just, they just want the kid to say they have a kid for whatever reason. <laughs> That's not, that is not a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Super, <laughs> super messed up. <laughs> so what's like a typical day, you know, a typical day for you? A typical day. Uh, I'm typically up be- between four and four thirty AM and people think I'm crazy for uh, getting up that early. But it, that's, you know, I just said, you know, my five to 7 PM is my family time. The, the four to six 30 in the morning is me time. Mm-hmm. So some days that's a workout. Some days that's doing writing. Some days it's doing research uh, for a speech. Some days it's doing credit union work. Um, 
And some days it's just reading. Um, it really just depends on kind of what the week is going to be like. So this morning was, was I did a lot of writing this morning and a little bit of research. So four to six is my time that it's, it, I do the morning routine with our daughter and uh, get her off to daycare. And I'm at work from seven 30 to five ish. Mm-hmm. And then five to seven is family dinner time, play time. And then after that, it's sometimes it's, sometimes it's just Netflix. Sometimes it's a little bit of work. Um, it, it really, the, the, the end of the night really just depends on how the day went, <laughs> but, uh, it's a, it's a packed day and I like it that way. Um, you know, I, I fit in things like this show and, um, mm-hmm. you know, time with friends and family when we can do that. That's nice. So you kind of have it like down to a T <laughs> and, <laughs> if you can until, say until someone's sick or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are, are you someone who's really into like, you need to have a schedule or are you more of like a go with the flow kind of person? So people get mad at me because I, I do prefer more of a schedule experience, at least Monday through Friday, and especially during the workday. Um, and I get emergencies happen and, and those kinds of you know, changes happen, but it allows me to lock in work time. And so I do block time on my calendar to do more deep thinking and s- strategic thinking as opposed to just you know, getting those tasks done. Yeah. Um, I do try to be more flexible and that's sometimes hard for me because I do want to know, Oh, from four to five, that's when I'm doing X, Y, or Z or, you know, that kind of thing. But the real, honestly, the thing that really kind of pushed me at least outside of that approach was having, having our kid because um, if I get a free hour on a Saturday, I've got to mow the lawn. Like that has to happen. But whenever that hour happens, that's when it's going to happen. So um, it was less about, I'm going to mow the lawn before lunch and then we can go do things. It's whenever she goes down for a nap, I'm going to go mow the lawn. So it's, it just kind of changes the approach a little bit. Gotcha. Can you, because I'm, I'm 26 years old, you know, I'm married, but I don't have a kid and I've never really been exposed to the whole adoption process. Can you just, if you're comfortable, of course, run me through that kind of thing. Like, like maybe you and your partner, like when did you realize I want to adopt someone when, or excuse me, a kid, uh, you know, like how did that whole thing just kind of manifest itself? So this is all a true story and we've been very uh, upfront and open about this entire process. So we first met in in June of 2012. So it's, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and on our first date, we talked about the desire to have kids. Wow. Because yeah. And it really was because we'd both been through various relationships where you find out that the other person doesn't want to have kids. And it's like, well, what, what am I doing here then? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like early on, we knew we wanted kids. We didn't know how it happened or, or when, but it was something we wanted to, we wanted to do. Um, so we got married in 15 and started saving and doing research really right after that to find the right path for us because with any couple gay or straight um, there's a number of paths you can take. You can work with your state agency, your state child protective service uh, division um, to be a foster parent and then do foster to adopt. Um, You can do surrogacy or you can um, do a private adoption and they all have their pluses and minuses. And we have people in our lives who have done one of all three of those. So, um, we, we talked to as many people as we could to try and find the best path for us. And for us, that was um, a private agency adoption. Um, and it really was, um, it was more secure in the sense that, um, that there's, 
there's a, there's a birth mother and she knows she wants to give up her baby for adoption, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And having now having gone through that process, I did not have enough appreciation for what that would be like for her and then how that makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that'll be something that we make sure that, that our daughter knows and understands. Um, but it was just the path that made the most sense for us. Uh, as difficult as it was, we did have one uh, birth mother um, back out, which was um, not much fun as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but it's a part of it. Um, and we, we, we knew that going in, in, to it going down that path that's crazy like i I, and of course like i said i'm not very knowledgeable about all of that Uh, i haven't had to experience it or i've gone through with experiencing it but um like even on tv shows like i can think of friends for an example you know (laughs) when phoebe you know is uh, a surrogate for her for her brother and sister-in-law uh like having someone back out of that situation like i i can't imagine the they're just like crushing feeling. Yeah. And it yeah. was. Uh, so like the, the, the benefits of surrogacy is you, you typically know the mom, uh, the birth mom, and um, there's some comfort and safety in that. But then, and we talked about that. Um, we had people offer, but there's no guarantee that scientifically it's going to work. Yeah. And so there's a, a huge financial risk, um, which mm-hmm. was one that we were like, we didn't want to take that piece on. Um so that, that's the reason we didn't go down that path. And friends like loved it as it was on, but like the process that Monica and Chandler went through was not as, not quite as realistic as the process works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and knowing like how much like they didn't have money when Chandler was working, all of a sudden they have all this money to adopt and fly the birth mom yeah. out to New York. Like it was unrealistic, but yeah. Yeah, it, it it sounds like something that can be just incredibly incredibly, excuse me, rewarding though when it does happen. Um how long did it take you to find so after the first uh uh mother kind of backed out, how long did it take you to find the the uh one that gave birth to your child? So there was a crazy set of circumstances. Um usually you would wait an, a pretty long period after that. Um and it's our agency was really wonderful um building Arizona families down in Arizona is a group that we ended up working with. And um, some agencies have a policy where it's all based on like when you enter the system, that's when we'll, we'll show you to birth moms. Cause the way that works typically um, as an adoptive family, you create basically a, a, a book about your family. What, so, and then what happens is when you see not when, when, when a mother then goes to the agency and says, I, I want to put my baby up for adoption, they fill out a form about what kind of family, they want their kid to be adopted into. And so then what happens is, is that agency will reach out to the adoptive family and say, Hey, we've got mom a over here who you guys kind of match on some, some high level criteria. Look at her medical history. Is this an opportunity that you want to present to? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is um, they take your book, your profile book and give it to the birth mom. And they usually do like three to five different options for the birth mom. For, for her to pick from. And if you just pick anybody, then they go do a whole nother batch. Um, and so it's very much on paper. Like you don't meet um, uh, the birth mom in her process. Um, it's oh. very, very hands-off. Um, and so we lost the first adoption in, uh, da, 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 what year was that? The fall of uh, this November of 2018. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we re-entered their system late that year. And then we got a call in early January. I feel like it was right around my birthday um, that they were going to go drive to meet this, this birth mom. She was seven months pregnant, which is really late in the process, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were going to go meet her and see how serious she is. And here's what we know about her. Would you want to show? And we talked about it very quickly and we said, yeah, like she seemed very healthy and um, sincere. Um, and then we found out, I feel like two days later that she'd picked us. And so it was, it was two months, which is insane. Yeah. Um, you go from essentially losing a baby to, oh, you have one coming in a month. So <laughs> get ready. Yeah. I can't. Well, first of all, happy early. I, I guess it was like a, what a nice early birthday present. <laughs> it was a like it was a crazy birthday present yeah uh, yeah yeah and, and then like how I, I can't imagine of course like the joy and stuff that you that you might have felt but how hard was it to like you know try and get like say a stroller and like baby clothes and everything from you know not knowing and all of a sudden two months later like oh i'm gonna have this kid like how hard was that was that you know process with of course you know coming to terms with it and everything so the worst part about about it um was we, we, the, 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 the first birth mom who backed out, she was due like between Thanksgiving and like the first week of December. And we, and she went early. It was like two weeks early. I feel like she, she went, um, but we had everything bought. It was bought. The, the room was ready. The crib was put together. Like it was cause you needed to be ready. Um, in the case that the birth mom goes early. Yeah. And so we had everything and which, and this is a terrible, uh, analogy to make, but it's true for us. That was the closest that we would ever come to what a, a, a mother would feel could feel if they had a miscarriage, for example, mm. as you, as you go to the hospital and you come home and you have this room ready to go with clothes ready to go. And the, like the suitcases were packed and you're not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was so hard. Like we didn't go into the room for a number of days or weeks to unpack things and, yeah. and stuff just because we, we like emotionally couldn't. Yeah. Um, and so when we finally got chosen again, it was really kind of with baited excitement. Um, and we didn't, as opposed to the first time around when we told everybody, um, the second time around we told our employers and um, our, our parents and that was it. Huh. How did they take that? I mean, they were, they were super excited. Um, they were still probably hurt from the first round um, that we'd gone through. And we, the reason we did it that way was, was just, we didn't want to go through a whole second round of telling everybody that yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. work out. So um, in hindsight, it was more fun for us because then when we got to send a text message, I remember sending them um, the, the day, the afternoon that she was born to, to people, we were like, Hey, uh, how you doing? By the way, um, you're an uncle. Like, <laughs> so it was, it was a joyous, uh, surprise text. Yeah, that's really cool. It, it's kind of like a nice redemption arc, if you will. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. So kind of, kind of moving on. Um, what made you want to go into public relations? Like what was kind of that first draw, you know, say I was 16 and I wanted to do that. Like what, what was kind of like your starting point? Um, so I, I graduated from the university of Northern Iowa with the, with the bachelor's in public relations. And, uh, I tell you, I've never had a job that was strictly focused on PR, which is fine because by the end I realized I didn't like PR. Uh -huh. um, which is okay because I got into PR. I, I took, I went down that, that path 
because as I was thinking, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college, and I didn't decide until I was, I feel like midway through my sophomore year. Okay. Um, I genuinely love finding a story to tell and telling that story. Um, I'm not the world's most creative person. I'm more of a strategic person. Um, I can see creative and no good, bad, not going to work based on what we're trying to do, but don't put me in front of a computer and ask me to design the next Super Bowl ad because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I might try a blank screen. That might work actually, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's why it landed on PR. It was just, it was in a creative space. I love communication. Um, and I'm kind of glad I, I went down that path as opposed to the actual marketing um, degree path, because that gets more focused on what they call the four P's of marketing, which are price, product, promotion, and placement, I think. And it's all about like all these different levers you pull in the world of marketing. And while those are important, rarely have, have I ever been in a job where the marketing person has access to pull all those levers. Yeah. Um, and so the PR side taught me how to write in a succinct way, which is super important in any business you're in. Mm. It's interesting that you say that, like you like telling stories because this is going to sound weird, but hear me out, man. Like your voice is just so crystal clear. It, it just sounds nice. Like, I, like I, I can see you being one of those like storybook tellers, you know, that someone read or someone puts like the tape on to like have their child go to sleep. And, That'd be fun. And, and the Berenstein Bears did this. <laughs> Goldilocks did that. Like, I can hear that. It, it, it's weird, but I could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that whole communications side, you know, that you, you said you want to go down the communication side, what kind of led you into becoming, you know, uh, like a public speaker? Like what was your, your draw to go down that road? So that arc is also long and winding. Um, I had a, an English teacher in high school who, um, she was probably, she had a young kid. I think her kid was like 10 years old. So she was probably like 35 ish by the time I had her. Okay. Um, but she was really down to earth. And I don't know if we were talking one day during class, after class, I, I don't, this part, I don't remember, but she w at that point was the coach of the high school speech team. Okay. And this was my junior year. And I was like, Oh, what's the speech team. It sounds really dumb and dorky. Um, <laughs> no one was signing up for it. Like that's the loser club. <laughs> but the more we got to talking, like it seemed kind of, kind of interesting. I'm like, you yeah, know, maybe I should do this. Mm -hmm. um, so I signed up. And that first year I did one event, it was the public address event. And it's where you take a speech that's already been given and you re-give it. It's not you're acting as that person. You're just taking their text and presenting it in your own unique way. Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of people do the Martin Luther King speech or the JFK speech. Okay. Yeah. This yeah, would have yeah. been the spring of 2011 or 2001. Wow. Um, 2001. <laughs> Careful, it might show your age. Right. <laughs> uh, Al Gore had conceded the presidential race back in December. And I really loved that speech that he gave when he conceded in December. Um, and so I used that. It was totally different. Um, and I used it and I made it to Allstate, which was like, didn't even know Allstate was a thing on the, in the speech world. Yeah, congrats. Um, and so then the next, like the school was so excited for me, which was just, I never like, I'm not a star athlete. So I never had that feeling of like people cheering for me and stuff. So it was very different, but also very affirming that, that my classmates were, were excited for this thing that I did. Um, and then the next year, a bunch 
of new students went out for speech team because apparently I made it cool. Like you can do nice. cool stuff with this. Yeah. Um, and so that's really where my love of, of public speaking came. I always enjoyed getting up in front of class and one of my other English teachers will tell you that my classmates hated me because I would often volunteer early in like the, who wants to go next question. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was good. And so I would set the bar pretty high and they would hate it. And I would always respond to them. Like, <laughs> you don't want me to go first and you need to raise your hand. <laughs> so, uh, it was just a skill that, that somehow I had no one else in my family really has it um, or has practiced it, but it's just, I just enjoy getting up in front of the audience and speaking. I don't enjoy acting, but I enjoy speaking. Interesting. So, so going down that, you know, the path of, you know, I, I find that I'm good at speeches, you know, I, I'm killing it at all these competitions and stuff. What, <laughs> what made you kind of like figure out that you can, well, I, I, sh I shouldn't say this and assume, but I, I would assume that, you know, you, you somehow made a living off of it, right? I did. I did for a while. And then I left it. Um, life kind of got busy and I made some other choices in life. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm back. I'm getting back into it now, kind of just on a, on the side. Well, now with COVID, it's really hard to do it in person, yeah. um, but working to get back into it. It really was kind of a, a uh, random series of events years ago that, Oh, do you want to come you know, lead a workshop for us? Okay. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll do it. Um, mm -hmm. And they started paying me um, and, and that made it more fun because it challenged me. And then you're up in front of a group of people and you're getting paid to do something you really, really love and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it happened. It wasn't a, I didn't set out for it to happen. Um, now I am, I'm trying, you know, rebuilding that portfolio, yeah. but um, back then it was, it just kind of happened. Oh, that's really cool. Because I, I, I'm here, you know, and like, of course, I, I looked at your website and everything. I saw it like, wow, dude, you're on TED Talk. Like, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just a little 26 year old guy sitting in his room and I'm speaking to a dude who's giving a TED Talk. Like, what is life? But uh, life is awesome. I love it. Yeah, life is awesome. But but like what? You, so you said you did the workshop and stuff, right? And that was kind of like your first little, oh, you yeah. know, maybe I could do something like that. But when when was it? kind of like established when was it like yeah i can definitely do this like you know i have you know say gigs lined up you know like when did the whole ted talk thing happen like kind of kind of walk me through a little bit about just like the the early stages if you will of of your your uh, professional speaking career so i think probably the time when it was kind of in my head like i was i was making it so to speak it was when i had a repeat client because then it wasn't like all these new groups it was this person who heard me and they went back to the website I had at the time um, and they reached back out and said, Hey, we want to have you come to this event. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like it was, it, that part was really cool because then I had obviously provided value and they wanted me to come back to, to uh, one of their other groups to give a similar, similar talk. But I think the point that it was really like, Holy cow. Like I kind of made it was the, the, the first time I did an, an all day event and it was two different, two different groups, two different workshops, but, and I, then there was a breakfast too, that they had me speak at. So it was like wow. this, it was crazy and super exhausting um, because you are performing. Like you're not up there just like having a chat at a table with a cup of coffee. Like you're, you're up there and you're on and you're energetic and all those things. So mm -hmm. it's, it's exhausting. Um, but it, it's, that day was so much fun. And then I'm just remembering that 
that there was also the time, the first time that someone paid for your hotel room. Like that's oh, a big yeah. deal. Like yeah. you're going to, you're going to fly me in, you're going to pay for my hotel room. And like, it was, it was legit. Um, <laughs> awesome. And I loved it. Um, because you know that they're bringing you in to inspire their team or motivate their team or teach their, their group of volunteers something. So, yeah. um, the Ted thing happened when I was living in New York um, a friend of mine was actually organizing it and she was like, Hey, do you want to put together a Ted talk? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> um, because you want your, your, I mean, if you've heard of Ted or, I mean, you have obviously, but yeah. like you, your listeners, it's not just someone get, going up there and giving, you know, a, a speech. It's, it is a argument about something. Um, and so I was like, I don't have anything that I, that I'm currently doing that fits that, but I'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent time trying like what I was, I went to my head and started to ask myself, well, what, what questions do I have that I can try and find the answer to? Yeah. And that's how I landed on this idea of fear and what is it and where does it come from and why do we let it, you know, take control of us. And that's how that speech kind of came to be and how that, um, that the book that I wrote ended up coming to be because I, I needed to come up with a topic and I fell in love with all the research that was out there in relation to this concept of fear and the, and the power it has over us. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I didn't realize that it would be that easy to just, you know, you know, someone, Hey, you want to do a Ted talk? I didn't think it was that easy. I thought it was something honestly where you would have to go to a website, you know, present your thesis or your argument or whatever it is. And then they get back to you. Um, they do it that way too. Um, oh, they do it both okay. ways. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's so cool to me though. You know, you kind of got like a little freebie, like, Hey, you want to do that? I did. Yeah, I want to do this. That's so cool. <laughs> but like, it's also a risk because you, you, you need to have a good idea. Um, because they also don't, one of the things that, that Ted is very adamant about is they won't put that they'll receive all like you, you, you might be allowed to present at the actual event, but then when they get the final video, they'll watch it all and they won't put everything up. They're adamant that not everything goes up on the website and goes up onto our YouTube channel and stuff. So to make that cut was, was pretty nice. <laughs> so, um, because you said they cut stuff, do they not present the full argument or do they just like kind of cut out the, the filler that you might put in there? No, they, they'll, they'll take your whole version. But like if someone presents at a, a Ted event and they watch the speech and they don't think it's good enough. Oh, I see. Thing. They just won't put it up. Oh, gotcha. I thought you meant like they, they kind of cut stuff out. And I was going to say, no. that is shady, no. bro. That is shady. No. Holy cow. How do you how do you stay like motivated to do this stuff? Because I mean, you you know, you, you say that you have to like your first event, you know, you spoke all day and you did a breakfast. Like, how do you stay motivated to be able to do all right, like, you know, I gotta do this event again, or you know, I gotta do another workshop, you know, oh my voice might be a little sore. Like, how do you overcome all of that stuff? It's just so if someone's if someone's hired you to do the job, you you go and do the job and yeah. you know yeah. that through the experience that you are providing value. You are providing the motivation, the inspiration, you're helping their team ask the right questions. Um, and you know that because after the, after the fact, you either hear from the person who hired you or you get messages from the audience or they Facebook you or whatever. And they say, that was awesome. Like, I feel so much better. And we're right. Like you just, you get that, that um, I don't want to say validation because that's the wrong word, but that social proof that, that what you did and what you presented had that impact. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any like horror stories of like any really bad workshops or like, you know, yeah, you were sick or something and like you just couldn't do it well? 
I don't recall ever being sick, but I do. There's one that just still still bothers me, and it's it it, it was a speech for high school athletes. Uh, high school, they they were like there's the 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 leaders on their their high school at, athlete high school sports teams, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was their closing keynote, and so like you want to like you want to bring it. Yeah. Um, and I had talked to some of the, the students beforehand. So I had like a good sense of where their heads were at and what they needed to hear. And I get up on the, on the podium and, um, I don't stand behind a, a lectern. Like it's, I walk around and I talk and tell stories and, yeah. um, they had, there was a power cord that they hadn't taped down on the, <laughs> oh, no. on the stage and I tripped over it and I didn't fall like nothing bad happened but it threw off my entire rhythm. Like the rest that like I got it out, but it was probably the worst speech I've ever given. Oh man. Yeah. So I learned my lesson on that one to like always check the stage and know just yeah. the little things. Yeah, <laughs> man, that would, that would suck. Cause I know I've had my fair share. Like I had to take speech and stuff in high school. I've had my fair share of, of chokes and stuff. And you know, yeah, you, you try and say something, but then the wrong thing comes out, but then you got to try and play off of it without sounding like, you know, you messed up. Yeah, but I, I'd never had something like that. So I mean, in the benefit of being in front of a large group, and and uh, I, I'll have a story for this too. But the audience, unless you make an actual mistake, they'll never know that you forgot something. Yeah, so, true. like, I was, giving a, I was giving a speech at an evening event right before COVID happened. Um, it was an auditorium of twelve hundred people. I could only see like the first five rows because it was a you know theater type situation, and. Um, I'm rolling through, and this was a prepared speech. It wasn't a like motivational thing. It was just a, I was, it was, I was storytelling mm-hmm. and uh, I got towards the end and the audience laughed at a point where I didn't expect to get a laugh. And so it made me pause. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that 10 seconds, I forgot what my next paragraph was oh. in my head. And I, I, I couldn't just stand there and wait for my brain to catch up. Yeah. So I had to brush over it. Um, and in, in the moment, like, I know that I'm forgetting something. Um, luckily it wasn't like super pertinent to the story, yeah. but it annoyed me that I'd forgotten it, but no one in the audience had a clue that they missed out on that one paragraph. Wow. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it's kind of that idea of like, actually, no, that, that, that analogy I was going to give doesn't make sense. I'm going to, I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> um, I, I do have, I do have this question though, because this is something that's always really fascinated me. Um, and something I've always thought about when it comes to like public speaking, how much of public speaking is like just, you know, of course, knowing how to speak, but how much of it is also like understanding the information, like doing research about topics? Oh, it's, 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 it's a ton of research on the topics. And it's then because the way that I try and do it, like I want to have, again, depending on what the, what the actual like purpose of you bringing me into your organization is, but um, I want to have, like some research to back up some of what I'm saying, but then I want to have real life stories. I want to have real experiences that back up that, yeah, this happened and it's funny and it's emotional and it's uplifting and it sucks. Like I want to have all those emotions and I can bring that and then back it up with, with some empirical data that says, if you do this or if you respond this way, or if your team acts in this way, like you'll get better results. And so it's kind of a mix of both. It really just depends on, on the audience and what the purpose is, um, you know, like a, a, an after dinner kind of keynote thing is it needs to have more energy. So it can't just be, <laughs> be all, you know, uh, research studies. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Because that's something I've always been, you know, fascinated with because I, I've of course, you know, sat through a couple of lectures and stuff, you know, in my time going through uh, university and whatnot. Um, 
And like some people are just so good at speaking, but yet they don't have a lot of information. But then you also get those people who are really, really dry, you know, and like yeah. it's just a bunch of uh, facts and stuff spit out at you. And you're like, OK, I'm about to fall asleep, dude, like move on, please. So I was kind of curious, you know, how you did stuff. How how um, uh, shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought. Hold on, let me try and collect this because I really wanted to ask this. Um, how much time do you take and how hard is it to prepare for, you know, let's just say if I was, you know, to offer you a workshop in say three months or, you know, a, a decent amount of time and I gave you the topic, how hard is it for you to like prepare for that? Like, so it really your... depends on what, so like, let's just pretend that you wanted me to come and speak and actually speak on it on, um, trying to come up with a topic that I know nothing about. Um, the importance of, uh, reading at a young age. Okay. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I know nothing about that. I know it's important. I read, we, you know, I read to my daughter every day. That's about the extent of my knowledge on that topic. So <laughs> yeah. That would take a lot of time. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you were to say, I want you to come and give a speech to my, my group of teachers. Um, and I just want it to be motivating, uplifting, empowering. I, that would be a lot easier because that's something I've kind of got in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. So it, it really just depends on what, um, what the ask is. So I've got uh, my next, uh, one of the events I've got at the start of the year is with, um, high school juniors and seniors. And so, I have kind of a rough outline and then I tweak it to fit their age gotcha. and like the jokes will be more uh, like they'll fit more of to, to, to them. And I can make fun of the fact that I'm 36 and they're yeah. 16, 17 and 18. So yeah. like you change it a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's still the same stuff. Gotcha. So then do you, do you like recycle a lot of the, the stuff that you have or do you have, you know, let's just say you have, uh, of course, depending on the topic, but, you know, just kind of given like a rough number, you know, let's just say five different, you know, like generalized speeches and you kind of just like make them appropriate. Yeah, that's actually so funny. Like I've got five is the number that I have. Uh, <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> and so like I've got two keynotes, which are those are the ones that are you're going to buy that. Like that's what you're getting. I'll tweak it based on who you are and change some stories here and there. But that's those are them. And then I've got three workshops, which are much more hands on. It's going to be a lot more engagement in the audience, a lot more, I'm not going to say one-on-one, -on -one, but like, I'm going to stop and go sit at your table and we're going to talk and yeah. that kind of thing. So, um, I have three of those. Oh, that's kind of funny that you have five. Five. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Do you, do you feel like you have like a specialty in like a certain topic or is it more just, you know, I'm comfortable with whatever? Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with whatever. And I don't know that I'll ever get to a point where I will have a, a going back to the example, like I don't, I, I'm not an expert on reading or child psychology or education. Like that's just not my skill set. Like the only, the only, um, area right now that I've got a very specialized, um, presentation is on marketing. Um, okay. I've, I've been in the field for 20 years, so I came up with that, that piece, but everything else is more, um, inspirational, motivational, leadership based, um, as opposed to like topical type of things. Gotcha. Cool. What's like the farthest you've gone for a, for a trip? Like, have you been out of the, out of the country to say like Japan or something for a conference or a workshop? Not, no? not to speak. No. Oh, uh, is it, is that something that you want to do? I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome when, when we're able to do that again, to, to, to do an overseas trip. Cause I could take the family and mm -hmm. um, let them be a part of it. Yeah. That would be really neat. Uh, and then I, I just want to ask you one more question about the whole, uh, um, Oh my goodness, I just lost my train of thought again. The whole uh, uh, 
goodness, public speaking. There we go. I, as you can tell, I'm not a big public speaker. Uh, um, how hard has it been to like try and you kind of touched on this a little, but I kind of want to revisit it. How hard has it been to like do stuff with COVID in terms of like, you know, if you've had like a workshop or something that you've had to do through Zoom or something like that, like, have you had to do anything? And if so, like, how hard has it been to try and like just figure out the logistics and stuff? I mean, the, logis the logistics side is almost pretty easy, um, but it's hard um, because we've all, if you didn't know before COVID, you know what your attention span is with Zoom meetings now. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because it's a, easy to be distracted. No one wants to sit and watch a computer screen for 50 minutes or 90 minutes, however long the, the workshop is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's been challenging on speakers to make sure that what they present is engaging and fun and different and um, not too hard to be, to, to participate in. <laughs> I was, I was a participant in something a couple weeks ago where the speaker was like, and put your answer in the chat box and no one was doing it. <laughs> Yikes. And like, that's the worst feeling in the world as a speaker, like participate people. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's hard. And I, I do them and I do them because people want them, but um, it, it's just so hard to make a connection with people you know, to, to yeah. look at them and get a sense of, I've, you know, it's almost like a comedian up there where they know when they've got the audience. Um, same thing is with, happens with the speaker. Like, you know, when you've got the audience in the palm of your hand, um, you can't do that on zoom. It's so hard. So you just have to make do with it, make it more as fun as you can, but uh, I'll be glad when it's over. Yeah. You know, it's so true because there, there's so much that I've learned um, going through school with just that human interaction element. Uh, you know, like for example, if you're trying to get counseling and you try and do it online, there's so many little mannerisms that the counselor won't be able to pick up because, you know, like you, like they can't see if you're fidgeting with your hands or, you know, tapping your foot or, you know, like if you're sweating or something like that, of course, depending on the camera, but all of those things help the counselor to then try and figure out, oh, you know, like this person might be uncomfortable with this topic. So I, I might need to push a little bit harder, you know? So right. I, 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 I can imagine how hard it would be to try and just, you know, capture the audience you know, just because they're staring at a camera, excuse me, uh, staring at a camera and they, uh, you know, might look engaged doesn't mean that they are. It could just be a face that they're putting on, you know, what, you know, rather than if they're in the audience, you know, they're, they're clapping or, you know, they're, they really look at it, you know, they really look like they're, they're having a good time, uh, you know, being able to try and dictate that and, you know, discern what the audience is doing through a screen, you know, you're missing out on all the other little tiny mannerisms that you might get if you're, if they're in the audience. Absolutely. So it, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because I feel that this whole Zoom thing one needs to stop. You know, you just <laughs> we need we need to figure out a way to try and get that human interaction element back because there's so many little things you know through nonverbal communication that people are able to uh, to pick up on. Especially you know if like you you know you're a pro um, at it, so I, I can I can imagine something something super crazy to think about. You know the yeah. the unwritten language, the unspoken language. It is. It is, and and. I hadn't even thought about the therapy part of it. Um, but that's entirely true that, that you, you can't read people the yeah. way that you normally can. Yeah. Uh, when my wife and I were, um, engaged, she wanted to, um, potentially have someone do a premarital counseling, uh, from her hometown, but we were like four hours, five hours South. And I was like, uh, you know, babe, like we, like as much as I want that to happen, you can't do that because, they can't see, you know, if I'm fidgeting or if you're fidgeting. Like, there's so much that you can lose in that um, non-verbal communication process. You know, you, you can only see so much through a screen uh, is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yes. So, um, 
Are are you big into like traveling and stuff? I love traveling. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Where have you been? So uh, I grew up in Iowa, and then I mean, if, if we're just talking the states, I've done a lot of the, the U.S. Southwest um, and a lot of the Northeast. Um, okay. Trying. I don't really want to go down the line, but if you have specific places, happy to go down that path. No, um, yeah, yeah. As as. Good. I want you to be able to share what you're comfortable sharing. Don't feel like I'm trying to like pressure you or anything. <laughs> no, so. no, no, no. Um, and then internationally been to uh, Mexico. That was, I went to Mexico for the first time just last month. Um, oh. So it took me 36 years to make that happen. <laughs> um, but then um, Germany, oh, Austria, yeah. Italy, Liechtenstein and Switzerland are my international stops so far. Oh, what did you think about Switzerland? Um, super duper expensive. Oh yeah, uh, but honestly, like super nice people. It was beautiful. Um, good food. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I I was able to take a train th- from Zurich uh, on the east of Switzerland all the way to I can't remember what town it was. But it was on the French side of Switzerland. I just took the train all throughout, and it was just gorgeous. Saw the Matterhorn. Oh my goodness! Yes. It, the The country is phenomenally beautiful. There, there's nothing like it in the world. That whole part of the world, like I didn't know what to expect in going, um, but like the, the just the the mountains are just beautiful. The the water is beautiful. Oh yeah, um, and just like the small towns are like the the coolest thing i think they're they're so beautiful like one thing that people don't understand is how beautiful the small towns in europe are because the architecture is just incredible like they're it's so different from going like for example i know you're in munich right but then you know you go to a little town in germany like it's this it's kind of the same but it's not and i don't know how to explain it at least from what i've experienced but i found the little cities to be so cute and just so beautiful something that i wish people could could uh, experience well, what, so that was, I didn't, I didn't know that. And so when we, when we got home, like it really hit me that what I think the Europeans have done really well, especially in those, those small towns is they don't tear things down. Yeah. Whereas here we tear everything down when it's 30 years old and just built new. They don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, and so like, they're just old and they're beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I was in Regensburg, Germany for three months or so, and they have a law there that, they will never tear down a building and they will never or I, I take that back they will never tear down a building unless it's a, unless it's fallen over if it's fallen over then they try to rebuild it to make it look like a spinning image of what it once was um but they do their best so like if there's a building that's like starting to lean they literally will do anything to try and keep that thing up because they don't want to tear down all that history yeah that's interesting it's so cool uh, how would you say your international travels have influenced you as a speaker? Um, if any, I don't have, um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but yeah. Um, I think it just in general makes me more appreciative of, of life and making sure that everywhere I go, I try and have as, um, awesome an experience as I can. So whether that's a, you know, a, a random winery, in, in you know the states or you know i'm traveling internationally just taking in all the all the moments and all the all the beauty around me is probably more so what i've taken from travel as opposed to you know how it's it's impacted um mm. 
speaking specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. I, like I, um, I shouldn't say like I've said, but I've had, um, I, I've traveled all over um, Europe, you know, I, I was able to study abroad and stuff. And so that was, you know, one incredibly awesome, you know, you get to experience yeah. all these different countries and you get to see all the different kinds of cultures and stuff. But it, I just find it very interesting that, um, and, and this is, this is not like a jab or anything. I just find it interesting, you know, the way that our minds work. Cause like, I see it as like, it's beautiful and stuff, but like the culture and stuff that you get to learn from experiencing, you know, different people and stuff. And you, you see it as more of just like, I love the beauty. I love, you know, the, the architecture, the mountains and stuff. It, it's just kind of cool to see, you know, just how different our brains work in terms of like experiencing things and being able to, not to say you didn't appreciate it, but, you know, like appreciate certain things. I, I find that really fascinating. It, yeah. And I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, everyone appreciates what they appreciate. Um, I will say, so our first day in Germany, we went to, it was that we, we just timed it right. Oktoberfest was going on. Nice. And so we went to Oktoberfest, which was like the, one of the coolest things I'll probably ever do in my life. And it sounds super dumb. Um, but the, but the waiter who um, took our orders, he first handed us a, a menu in German and I don't speak German. Um, I can't read German. Um, I was trying to, I didn't want to be that American. So I was, I was trying to figure out what things were and what I might want to order. Yeah. Um, and he was the kindest, he, he was probably like 23 years old and could tell right away that I was struggling. So he, went back in, grabbed an English menu, handed it to me. And he was like, you probably want this. Uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew what beer I wanted. I knew that much. Yeah. Um, but so like, I, I, I get what you, what you're saying that like everyone we met was super kind yeah. um, to, to make sure that like we didn't end up at the wrong place or yeah. do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I didn't mean that in like any disrespectful way. It was just, yeah. it was just cool to see, you know, the differences in like the, just how you, how you view things. Like I started this podcast because I love learning people and trying to understand just how, you know, the brain works, how their brain works. And so just to see, you know, like you, you say, you know, you appreciate everything, like, you know, you appreciate the people and stuff, but you know, you highlighted the fact of just like mountains and nature and architecture, like it, it's just cool to see that, you know, like nothing wrong with that at all. Of course, yeah. like, I'm not saying anything wrong. It's just, it just really, I just find it fascinating is all. Yeah. Um, what, what's your favorite kind of, of beer? I'm a German beer snob. Uh, so that that's a pretty easy answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not very big into alcohol. So it, it, I find it really cool just to hear, you know, the the um, fascination with that, you know, beers and whiskeys and stuff. You know, yeah. you say you're big into beer and whiskey. Um, but like I can learn to appreciate it. I, I understand, you know, like the time and the dedication and all that that it takes, you know, make, say, a bottle or make a sure. barrel or something like yeah. that. What what was kind of like the uh, the highlight of your of your German uh, experiences? Um, I think uh, we stayed in Berchtesgaden for one night. Oh, which, so pretty! Oh, um, that's ridiculous! And the people were so like we asked our. I think we stopped in a gas station <laughs> to ask for a, a recommendation on a local restaurant, and they they did their best to tell us where to go, and they were not wrong. Um, and everywhere we went, cause that was any, anytime I travel, like I want to eat locally yeah. and it, it is, as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, and so we got that experience there. We got that in Switzerland. We asked our, our hotel, um, which was a, like a, someone's house. It was like a 10 bedroom house that they were renting out rooms. And yeah. so, um, we asked them that and said, we want somewhere off the beaten path. That's super local that only locals know about like, 
crazy good food. Um, and so I think that's what I loved the most and what I always look forward to when I travel internationally, aside from museums I might go to or various historical places we might visit, um, is the, is the opportunity to try their food and experience their, their culture in that way. Um, Austria, we had crazy good coffee at a place that was recommended to us by an American expat who we shared an Uber with. Oh, um, yeah. And it was totally random that he knew of this coffee place in this town we were going to be going to. And we're like, okay, whatever. But I remember the name. We got to the town, Googled it. And uh, yeah, he was right. So oh. it, it's stuff like that. The, the serendipity of international travel that I probably love the most. Yeah. Uh, when you were in a uh, Birch's Garden, did you see, uh, I, I want to say this was here and I could be getting my areas mixed up, but did you see like Hitler's nest and stuff? We went up to it. Did you really? You did. No, you're so lucky. How how was, was that? It was weird. So like, if you've seen D Day or not D Day, um, movie, what's it called from HBO? Uh, Band of Brothers. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a scene there in like episode nine or ten where they they make it to the eagle's nest, um, and they're out on like this portico and everything. Mm-hmm. That's real. It's 100 percent accurate. Um, and so being there was like, it was amazing because you got to see history, like literally see history, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of depressing in a way yeah. to know what this was here for and why it was here and who mm-hmm. built it and why it was built. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no different than going to uh, see a concentration camp in Europe or yeah. you know the, the battlefields. Um, so it was weird, but also at the same time, it was one of the most beautiful places because you're, you're, you're above the clouds and mm-hmm. you're um, it's green and beautiful up there, which is, it's kind of like this weird uh, dichotomy between what actually happened there versus how you feel when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. You're so lucky you got to do that. Um, when I was there, it was, I think it was like february or something like that i can't remember the exact time but they were closed for the season because i think it's just a summer thing if i'm not mistaken well you have to you have to ride in this bus up it's like up the side of a mountain so i can imagine that it's probably closed in the winter yeah 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 so i was i was like when we first saw it and uh, my cohort and i were like hey you know director could we go up there and he's like nah dude it's closed and i was like ah like i really want to see that because i'm fascinated with, with uh, world war ii um we were able to go to um two concentration camps um we went to uh flossenburg and buchenwald okay um were you able to uh to experience one of those we went to dachau dachau okay yeah um like i don't want to be disrespectful in any uh any of the words that i say but like it was such a crazy but like I, and, and I say this all the time, awesome, but not in the, in the general, you know, sense, uh, awesome. Just because you get to like, at least me, like I, I, I almost felt like I was in that time period. Like I can remember setting foot through the gates to actually like see the fields and everything. And like the entire time my head just hurt. And like, I just felt so sorrowful and just like depressed for these people, you know, that were tortured and killed there. Uh, but to experience that and to see just the the cruelty of humanity and what people are capable of doing to one another was like I, I I really don't know how to put that in words, but it's something that was so 
pivotal, I'll say, in personal development because it really makes you think like they had literally nothing and they were just tortured for, you know, just being a Jew. But yet, you know, you get, you have all this stuff, you know, why, why, why are you freaking out about X, Y, Z when, you know, you could be persecuted? Like, that's what, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, why, why do I feel, you know, so bad over whatever it is when, you know, like I'm here and I'm literally looking at the clothes that these people wore, you know, I'm standing in the showers, you know, I'm looking in the mirrors that they looked into and they saw themselves for the last time. Like I, I was just overcome by just tremendous depression because of how awful it was. But I will say this, it is an incredible experience and it's something that I wish more people would uh, be able to go through uh, in terms of visiting, in terms of visiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean that like, no, I don't want that to ever happen again. No one should ever have that happen again. Like humanity should, you know, be smart enough to never do that. But uh, to, to visit that piece of history is something that I really feel like people need to do. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's, um, I didn't know what to think in going. Um, it was my idea to go. I'm super glad I did. Um, because you, it's like to your point, like it's this weird, you're glad you're there. You're glad you're seeing this with your own eyes. Um, and I feel like the, as I, as we went through kind of walking through the whole grounds, I got more and more, I had two different feelings, depression, the longer I was there Mm -hmm. and anger the longer I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it was weird to feel both those things at the same time. Um, cause you're, you're just sad for the, for everything that happened and, um, every human that lost their lives, um, in that place and during that time. And then you're just furious that it happened and yeah. we let it happen. And, um, the fact that this is even a place that I need to go, you know, it's just, yeah. Uh, but again, yeah. super glad I went. And if you ever, your listeners ever have a chance to go, go to one of these places and, and experience it firsthand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause there's definitely something and I'll leave it at this because I don't want to, you know, start, to, <laughs> start to wind down on a negative note, but I will say this, you know, there's so much value in learning history, but then there's so much more value in being able to experience a bit of history and actually like be in these areas. Yeah. Like you don't get to feel those feelings when you read about a concentration camp on the internet or like in a book, but when you're no. actually there, there, I will say this, it's like, uh, not spiritual, but just like a very sur, not surreal uh, either, but I, I don't know, emotional experience that you're not going to be able to, f- to, to feel reading some words off of a page. Yeah. And I, this is reminding me of two other places I visited. Um, so when I lived in New York, it didn't happen very often that we would go to the Stonewall Inn because it was kind of out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just going to that bar where obviously the riots happened in 69, um, I think it was 69. Um, like there's, there's history there. And so um, going there and just thinking about that, what you're having a beer is, is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having visited Gettysburg as well yeah. over in Pennsylvania, like you just stand there in awe and it's like, you know what happened there and it happened right underneath your feet. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it, it is important for as many people as possible to go to these places and, and just stop. Right. And just yeah. like take it in. Yeah. It's definitely a moving experience. 
Uh, so kind of coming off of that, <laughs> no, not to be disrespectful, you know, in any way, shape or form to what we just talked about. But I, I do have a couple more questions that I want to ask you before yeah. we kind of wrap things up. Um, first of all, what um, would you suggest to someone who kind of wants to go down this, this, you know, personal uh, personal uh, communications route, you know, like if someone's really wanting to do like a TED talk or something like what, what kind of advice would you give to them in terms of like establishing themselves and like starting out? You just have to, uh, there's a couple things that I would, that I would say it's a, just become, I don't say well-read cause that's so like broad and stupid, mm-hmm. um, but become well-read, like read a bunch of different thinkers in like the tech space, read the thinkers in the literature space, read, um, different memoirs from people and just get a, just learn, like just be a sponge of information as much as you can. Um, I think that's where, that's where you just learn. Like then from there, that just teaches you about yourself and what motivates you and what gets you excited and what, you know, what gets, um, gets other people excited. You know, when you see a, a, a new bestseller um, come out and people are raving about it, find out why they're, why they're raving about it. Um, I think, I think there's just a lot of like just learning in, in doing that. Mm. Um, and then try and just put out, this sounds really dumb, but this is me as a marketer, like put out your own content, like add your thoughts to things. And, and from there you, you'll see what sticks with people, what, what resonates with people. Um, and then you can kind of go from there. Like that's really all it is at the end of the day. Gotcha. Uh, so of course I put this, this, uh, uh, form out on Reddit, you know, how in the world did you come across it of all people? You know, like you had, like you've been in Ted talks and stuff, dude, you know, you, you professionally speak or, you know, for a living, you did that for a long time. Like, how did you, how did you come across something like this and then decided, yeah, you know, that, that'd be kind of cool. Like, what was your process, your thought process? Uh, so my husband and I have a podcast as well, um, that we do. It's just us talking okay. uh, for the week and, so I'm in a couple of, of various reddits that, that deal with podcasts and stuff just so I can learn and know what's going on. And I'm a huge po- podcast listener. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm always on the lookout for un- the next great thing for me to, to listen to, even though I'm behind on virtually everything that I, that I download. <laughs> yeah. um, and I just saw yours. And I'm like, Oh, this sounds kind of interesting. I filled out your form and you wanted to talk to me. So, Oh, that's so cool because, Oh my goodness. Like this is going to sound so weird, but hear me out, man. Like when, when I, um, I don't get notifications or anything, but like I'll periodically check, you know, the form and it's got like a thing to, it'll, it'll tell me how many people have, or like new people or whatever have signed up. And so I was going through it and I saw you and I'm like, Oh, you know, like, uh, your website. And so I looked it up and I was like, wait, this guy's done a Ted talk. And I got just like insta nervous. I was like, uh, like, like, wh- wh- what am I supposed to say? Like, I, I think I'm going to mess up. And I told my wife and she's like, wait, are you serious? Like, that's so cool. I was like, uh, and I start, I start flipping out. I told my brother and he's like, wait, <laughs> wait. And I was like, yeah, it's happening. It was so cool. It, it was so cool. So first I want to say thank you. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be some like weird fanboy or anything like that. Fan but boy it, over here. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, it's so neat to see, you know, just like. I'm just a kid in a, in a room, you know, some dude in a room with a microphone and, and you've been able to, you know, accomplish such really cool public speaking feats, you know, going on Ted talk. Like that's so neat. You don't hear, you know, Joe Schmo down the road doing that. You know, usually the people that do that are very well established and they have a it's, very it's awesome Gates, thing right? to say. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it's really cool. Uh, and so I was just kind of curious, you know, like what your thought process is uh, real quick. Do you want to like shout yourself out in your podcast and stuff? Sure. You can, you can find me online. I'm, I'm 
I'm in marketing, so it's, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, my Twitter is just my first name, last name, Richard Didor. Um, my Instagram is the same, and my Facebook is a little weird because um, of the way Facebook does their URLs. But if you go to my website, which is just my first name, last name, .com, richarddidor.com, um, all my socials are there. So, Gotcha. And then what, if you want to, what's your, what's your podcast uh, called? Um, so you can, that, am I, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yeah, of course. Say what you want. <laughs> uh, so Steve and I's podcast is called fuck is our mantra. Huh? So that came, we, we were trying to come up with a name for it. And, um, so we were just like, just go to the bookstore. Let's just see like what book titles stand out to us. And we saw a couple and we came up with our, obviously this is our own and it, it's kind of how we try and approach life um, where we're just going <laughs> to, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> we're going to fuck it and just do what we want to do. We're going to do what makes us happy and yeah. chase the dreams that we want to chase. So, Gotcha. That sounds interesting. I'll have to give that a, give that a listen, see what it's all about because that's a very catchy title. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that you see every day. It is not. And we like, it's always weird to tell people you don't know, like, Oh, here's our podcast name. Like you whisper it to him quietly. And <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like that. Uh, so the last question I want to ask you and then we'll kind of wrap things up, you know, so you can get back to your daughter, you know, kind of, uh, have a good rest of your evening. Um, what would be one piece of advice that you could give someone? And this could be about anything. It could be about, you know, speaking. It could be about relationships. It could be about adoption, anything. Or it could be about nothing, of any, any of that. It could just be, you know, some like life motto or something. But what would be that one piece that just like really stands out that you want to share with someone? Sure. So we talked a lot about um, the adoption we went through and the failed one. Um, and we didn't, we didn't end up talking about, I forget if we didn't, if it was even on the forum, but we didn't talk about, um, depression. And I've, I've battled that in my life. Mm. Um, and job loss of being fired. And like, oh, there, yeah. there's a lot of things we could, we could have gone down the rabbit hole on, mm -hmm. which is all good. Uh, maybe it's episode two or something. Yeah, maybe. Um, but what I try what a story that I do tell in one of one of the speeches that I do give is from about my friend Allison, who is a couple years younger than me. I, I forget how many years, but we'll just say she's 33 years old. And about 10 years ago, her husband um, killed himself. So she's mm -hmm. a 24, 25 year old widow. Um, and then a couple years after that, she was diagnosed with MS as an as a 30 year old man. Um, and it wasn't just a, what they call relapsing remitting. She has full blown MS. Like to, to this day, like she can't feel parts of her legs or her hands. Um, they're just numb all the time. Um, and so I was talking to her about this and I was like, what, how, how do you, like, how do you get through yeah. it? And, and cause I just wanted to understand and like the way that she articulated it is really kind of how I have chosen to approach all the negatives that happen in life, um, including losing a child or losing a job. It's, we have, we have choices when those bad things happen. Um, and the choice that I continue to make is, and this is what my, my lesson will be for your, or my piece of advice will be to the, to your listeners is choose joy. Mm. It's not always hard. It's not always easy and it is hard, but man, it's a lot easier when you choose to, to approach it from that perspective as often as you can. Um, as opposed to just sitting in, in, in the, in the, in the darkness of, of wallow, so to speak. So hope that made sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think it's something that everyone needs to hear, especially today, you know, like choose joy because like everyone's stuck at home, you know, people are yeah. more than likely depressed and everything. Try and at least be happy, you know, try and do something that makes you happy. Choose joy rather than depression, sitting in your own sorrow. 
So I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, you know, there's some stuff we didn't touch on. I I personally had no idea, you know, uh, depression and uh, that you suffered from it and all that. Um, it wasn't in the form. Just 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 kind of saying that because it's not like I was avoiding it or anything. I just yeah, I yeah, honestly yeah. didn't know. Um, but if you were if you are willing to come back on a second one, you know, kind of open up a little bit more about that and a few other things um, that I that I heard throughout that I didn't want to touch right now on. Um, I'd be more than happy to have you on for like part two, if you will. Um, it's, maybe it's something a little. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was say, if it's something you want to do, we can definitely find a time to make that happen. Yeah, I would love to. Because like I said, the whole purpose of this is to kind of like just understand people, you know, understand, yeah. you know, why you think the way you think, you know, who you are. So um, just to know, just so you know, if you do end up wanting to do this, I'll probably ask um, some pressing questions, a little more pressing. But again, you know, if if you don't want to answer that, like, that's totally fine. Like, I'll I won't press too terribly hard. I'm a, I'm a pretty open book. Life awesome. is easier when it's that way. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like what, what I'll do is after this, um, I'll uh, shoot you another email and we can try and figure something out. It, of course, if you are willing to do that, and like I said, I'd be more than happy to do. That'd be really cool. So Cool. That'd be fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, taking about an hour out of your day and doing this. This was honestly really, really cool. It was really fun to to be able to learn, you know, kind of, you know, who you are and, you know, uh, your communications thing. Like, that's really what I wanted to talk about was the whole TED Talk thing. That was so cool to me. <laughs> just kind of learning about that. Like, I keep I keep going back to it, but it's so neat. I've just never met anyone who's done that before. Did you Did you watch it? I personally did not because I didn't want to go into it knowing okay. what you sound like. I wanted okay. to go into this okay. like as raw as possible without knowing anything about you besides, of course, that. It's all good. That's yeah. Fair. So I, I, I am, of course, now going to look into it, uh, you know, that we've spoken a little bit just because I, I do really want to hear what that is. Do you know if it's by chance like on their podcast? Um, I don't. If it is, I didn't don't, don't know because the only one of theirs that I subscribe to is the TED Radio Hour. Oh, okay. And they just take a bunch of people and like, that are like topical and snip them together. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, so I don't actually know. All right. I'll have to look <laughs> at it because that's like the one, that's like my main um, media consumption uh, is through podcasts because I, I work for Amazon, I deliver and stuff. And so I'm by myself 90% of the day. So I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and so I'm always looking for more because I'm starting to get to that point to where a lot of the ones I listen to, if they're not like one of those ones that comes out every week, cause it's like a news related thing. Like I'm starting to get deep in their backlogs and starting to, you know, go through everything. So I'm going to have to find another one. Hopefully, you know, I can at least listen to your uh, TED Talk. That'd be super cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but I want to say thank you again for doing this. This was really, really cool. I really do appreciate it. Um, and again, I'll, I'll email you uh, in just a second and we'll try and figure something out uh, if, you, if you would like to come on for a part two. And we can do a little more deep dive, if you will, into the life of Richard. So. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, awesome, well, man. Yeah. Thank you again. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, I hope you have a great night and uh, let your husband know. Uh, uh, that I appreciate him giving you up for a little bit to, to speak to me. So. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, All have right. a good night. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. He did a TED Talk and he decided to speak to, to me. Like, what? That's so freaking cool. That's like... That's like me meeting a giant icon in, in the football soccer world. Like in my eyes. That's just so cool. Because like you don't you don't just meet, you know, like I said earlier, Joe Schmo on the road, you did a TED talk. You don't just do that. That doesn't just happen. That was so cool. I'm so excited to do a second episode with Richard. That's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to, to dive a little bit more into his life and 
uh, you know, learn about uh, everything that he's talked about. I got some cool questions, too, I'm going to ask. So that's going to be fun. Anyway, uh, thanks again, Richard, for doing this. I really do appreciate it. It was really, really fun. And it was kind of it was kind of cool to see that you and I kind of travel in the same areas. So that's always fun to talk about travels. I love travels. But anyway, thanks again, dude. It was, that was awesome. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Pond. If you feel that this was something that deserved your time, you really enjoyed it, or even if you really disliked it, please rate it however you see fit on whatever platform you're on. If you think you know someone that would love to be a guest on an episode, please send them my email address. That's acrossthepondpod01 at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. You can also connect with me on Twitter at KingServant. That's K-1-N-G-S-S-E-R-V-A-N-T. I want to thank Mark for making the logo for me and for the Black Couch label and solo artist Ollie H for making the music. And I want to thank you, the listener, for being here and giving this about an hour of your time. Really do appreciate it. Tune in next Sunday for another episode of Across the Pond.